Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Don't you just love it when the Lord whispers in your ear? (laughs) It's not all the time, but boy, when He does, it's precious. Adore Him and be His adored. That just fell all over me. Sometime last year, I began to read through the Bible again. I like to do that from time to time, just to uh, keep up with history and keep my mind fresh and renewed. And um, I got stuck in the book of Deuteronomy for about two months and just absolutely fell in love all over again in a totally different way. My eyes were just open to so many new things that I had never seen before in the book. Um, so I'm going to start the ladies' retreat off with mostly the book of Deuteronomy. Most of the time we're going to be in Haggai, but um, what I've learned from studying Deuteronomy is that almost everything else in the Bible goes back to Deuteronomy. So <laughs> you'll see that in some ways. Um, God's command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is first and foremost command. And we learn that he teaches us, that he directs us, he challenges us, he warns us because he loves us and he created us for relationship with him. So I'm going to start off with chapter 4 and I'm going to try to be real fast by reading it and maybe skip over a little bit. Um, And I'm going to bring out some points in this particular verse that will take us into Haggai. Um, Chapter 4, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take away, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Por, for the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Por. But you You who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and this is your understanding in the sight of the people who will fear all the statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that God so near to it has the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, where the Lord said to me, Gather my people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. And I'm going to skip down to 15. 
Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Um, let's see, all the way through a few verses, he's saying, take heed, um, down to verse 29. But from here, from there, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. Verse 33, did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? Verse 35, well, let me go back to 34. Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, signs, and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors according to all the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it is shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God, that there is none other besides him. Verse 37, and because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power. Verse 39, therefore know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. I love how our music lines up with what God brings us in word. You shall therefore keep his statutes and commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you all the time. And there's just a few points that I want to bring out of this chapter that we see as challenges, we see as warnings, we see as um, direction, we see as what I like to call God's heart. Because this is what, when God speaks something to you and you, you grab a hold of it and you can get your mind around how much he loves you, his concern for you. He's set up and created and called us to a life that works. There's nothing that he did not set up that will not work. So one of the things he says is, listen. If we'll listen, we will live and take possession of the land. In other words, we have to act on it. It's a verb. Another thing, a challenge. He says, do not add to or take away from my word. The survival of our soul is feeding on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's a challenge, but it's also a provision. And here's another challenge. Hold fast. Be strong. Be diligent. It equals life. Um, another observation is, he says, observe. Do it. They are your wisdom and your understanding. For your personal, your family, peoples, and nations. In other words, it's kingdom living. Um, and here's God's heart. In, verse, um, in Deuteronomy 14, 
You don't have to flip over there real quick, but I do. Well, you may make it before I do. 14 verse 2. God says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Do you hear God's heart? You are a special treasure. He's near. He makes himself available to us. And then he gives us a warning. He says, Take heed. Remain faithful and obedient lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and depart from your heart. Those are the things they saw coming out of Egypt, all the miracles, the signs and the wonders that he did for them. Take heed, be faithful, remain faithful, remain obedient, lest you forget what I did. Forget these things that you have seen. Um, then he gives us another direction. In verses 9 and 10, he says, Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. This is how we stay and stand firm from generation to generation to generation. When we teach God's word and his precepts to our children. Um, then he gives us a warning. He says, take heed again, lest you succumb to idolatry and corruption. Lest you forget the covenant, the everlasting covenant that he's made with you. And then again, his heart says, he has made himself available to us in verses 29 and 30. I will find him when I seek him with all my heart. He's there. And all we have to do is our part and we'll find him. And then here's some other points that I took from this chapter um, that really just show his heart towards us. In verse 31, he's merciful. He will not forsake me. He will remember his covenant. Verse 33, did any other people hear the voice of God speak out in the midst of a fire and live? Can't you hear his heart? You're his special treasure. Did anybody else, any other nation get to see that? Hear his voice and survive? <coughs> Did God ever take a nation for himself out of the midst of nations by trial signs and wonders? Verse 35, God's heart is to make himself known to me as the one and only, you name it, provider, healer, deliverer, rescuer, creator. And that everything I need is found in him alone. Verse 39, consider in your heart that he alone is God and he alone gives you everything you need. His heart all along is to indwell the human heart. We uh, looked at John 14, I believe, was it last Sunday? Um, Jesus is telling his disciples, if you love my word and you keep my word, if you love me and, ke and keep my word, we... Father and Son, Holy Spirit hasn't come yet, will make our home in you. So this is God's plan from Genesis all the way through, eventually, is for to have a human indwelling, a presence where his kingdom is carried out by the church. Um, okay, now that we've gotten through a little bit of Deuteronomy, we're going to go to Haggai. 
because Haggai talks a little bit about the, the children of Israel have come out of um, captivity from Babylon and the, the temple, the former temple, the, the physical former temple that Solomon built, which was the most glorious, splendid temple of all time. You can go back to... Uh, uh, what book is it? Second Kings, and read all the details um, of how glorious and splendid um, all the details of this physical temple was. But now they, the temple has been destroyed. They've been in captivity. They've, they're coming out, and um, so they're surveying uh, what's left of it. And the Lord speaks to Haggai, and Haggai speaks to Zerubbabel, who's the governor, and Joshua, who's the priest. And he says, the people procrastinate. And I'm reading from the message just because it's a little bit lighter and I didn't want to get real analytical and inductive. Um, so uh, it's a little easier to express as, you know, just, just talking to you. Um, so the message from God of the angel armies, the people procrastinate. They say this isn't the right time to rebuild my temple, the temple of God. And I'm going to stop and start all the way through um, with as much time as I have. Um, so the first thing I want to point out is there was a foundation. Everything is in ruins. And God is calling this people to now rebuild the temple. In the Old Testament, the temple is where the presence of God was, um, beginning, you know, with the, the ark and until they built phys the physical temples was the, where the presence of God was. Um, so there's a physical foundation that's in ruins. Um, and then he speaks again. Shortly after that, God said more to Haggai. How is it that it's, the, that it's the time, that it's the right time for you to live in your fine new homes while the home, God's temple, is in ruins? They've come out of captivity, they've procrastinated, they've been lazy, and I can relate to this because I like, I like a nicely decorated home. <laughs> so I can understand to a degree, you know, if, you, if you're just, you know, being realistic, I can understand to a degree. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then a little later, God of the angel army spoke out again, take a good hard look at your life. Think it over. Some other versions say, consider your ways. Give careful thought to. Set your heart on your ways. He's saying, take a good, good hard look at your life. And he's saying, remember, look back, remember what rebellion and disobedience cost you. Throughout Israel's history, I mean, it's been ups and downs and ups and downs because of rebellion and disobedience. And now they're coming back in to, in, to, to rebuild the ruins. And where did it take you? So he's going on here. He says, you've spent a lot of money, but you don't have much to show for it. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking, but you're always thirsty. You put on layer after layer of clothes, but you can't get warm. And the people who work for you, what are they getting out of it? Not much. A leaky, rusted out bucket, that's what. That's why the God of the angel army said, take a good hard look at your life. Think it over. It goes back to Deuteronomy. 
don't you think? I'm the Lord your God. Love me with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Now here's God's plan to help them out of where they are, out of the mess they're in. Here's what I want you to do. Climb into the hills, cut some timber, bring it down, and rebuild the temple. Do it just for me. Honor me. That should be our motive and our response in everything, in every work or labor or act of service that God has called us to. So we have to prepare our heart for this. He said, you've had great ambitions for yourselves, but nothing has come out of it. The little you have brought to my temple, I've blown away. There was nothing to it. And why? Because you've run around, caught up with taking care of your own houses, while my house is in ruins. That's why. Because you, you are stingy. Ouch. So I've given you a dry summer and a skimpy crop. I've matched your tight-fisted stinginess by decreeing a season of drought, drying up fields and hills, withering gardens and orchards, stunting vegetables and fruit. Nothing, not man nor woman, nor animal nor crop, is going to thrive. Then the governor, Zerubbabel, and the high priest, Joshua, and all the people with them listened. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. Listen and live. Listen and take possession of the land that I'm giving you. And they all listened. They really listened to the voice of God. When God sent the prophet Haggai to them, they paid attention to him. In listening to Haggai, they honored God. And again, that should be our response in everything we hear from God. Um... Quickly, Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, 11 through 20. For this commandment which, command, which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it, is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it? It's not a mystery. It's not unattainable. You get it? Yeah. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today, now, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. It says, but if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish and you shall not prolong your, your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you both, you and your descendants may live. 
that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Hold fast, church. Listen. Part of maintaining a building um, requires regular maintenance. Now, we're kind of making a comparison here between a physical foundation and uh, we'll get to it in a minute, the, uh, the um, human indwelling, a new foundation. Um, maintenance requires changing air filters, uh, cleaning, vacuuming, you know, whatever. It's regular maintenance. Same thing with, um, with our hearts. It requires regular maintenance. We've got to listen work, rebuild, honor God's word. Those are just some things um, that, and you can think of others, you know, that require regular maintenance. You've got to spend time with him. You won't find him if you don't seek him. Um, okay, so then Haggai, God's messenger, preached God's message to the people. He says, I am with you. Here's his heart all over it. I'm with you. I love you. You know, you're not doing right. You're half-hearted, you're stingy, you're lazy, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I haven't forsaken you. Uh, let's see, we're still in chapter 1, 14 and 15. This is how God got Zerubbabel, Joshua, and all the people moving, got them working on the temple of the God of the angel armies. So at this point, they see what they've got to do. Um, and they begin advancing the kingdom. This is all point. It's kingdom living. We're learning how to advance the kingdom. Um, we're moving into chapter 2 here. Um, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of God came through the prophet Haggai, tells Zerubbabel, Joshua, and all the people, is there anyone here who saw the temple the way it used to be? Speaking of Solomon's temple, the one that's been destroyed and is in ruins. Um, is there anyone here who saw the temple the way it used to be? All glorious. And what do you see now? Not much, right? Yeah. So here's what you do. You get to work, Zerubbabel. Get to work, Joshua. Get to work, all you people. God is speaking. Yes, get to work. Here's his heart. For I am with you. The God of the angel armies is speaking. Put into action the word I covenanted with you when you left Egypt. I'm living and breathing among you right now. I'm with you. Going back to Deuteronomy. God is near. He's available to me. In 14, Deuteronomy 14. Also in 4 verses, he's made himself available to me. I will find him when I seek him. I'm living and breathing among you right now. Don't be timid. Don't hold back. Um, New King James Version puts it this way. My spirit remains among you. I am with you. That is his heart. His desire is to interact with the spirit of his creation. 
His spirit, our spirit, that is what is created in his likeness. That is his desire to interact with humankind to advance the kingdom. Now, here's the good part. This is a prophecy that is fulfilled and is still being fulfilled because we now are talking about a new foundation, a more glorious temple. This is what God said before you know it, I will shake up, sky, shake up sky and earth, ocean and fields, and I will shake down all the godless nations. They'll bring bushels of wealth, and I will fill this temple with splendor. God of the angel armies says so. I own the silver, I own the gold, decreed the God of the angel armies. This temple, this current physical temple, is going to end up far better than it started out. It's in ruins now, but it's getting ready. It's going you got to look way forward. It's going to end up far better and have a more glorious beginning, but even more glorious a finish. And that's where we are. It's a new temple. And it's a human indwelling. And it's a place which I will hand out wholeness and holiness. New King James says peace. But I really love the way it puts it here. I will hand out wholeness and holiness. It'll be healthy and whole. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Three, five through seventeen, because this is really this is this is good news. The former temple they had to build the foundation. Remember, it's a physical foundation, a literal physical foundation. We don't have to build it. The latter temple does not have to build the foundation because it's already been built for us. Chapter First Corinthians, chapter three. I'm gonna start in verse. Five. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Paulus watered, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And we're talking about works here. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. We're building, remember? We're rebuilding the ruins. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. I think that was somewhere back here in Deuteronomy. Take heed. Remain faithful. Remain obedient. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. He's done the work. The foundation is laid. What we have to do is build on that foundation. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he, which he has built on 
it endures, he will receive a reward. Uh, remember a few weeks ago, Brandon um, taught on the judgment seat for believers, the Bema, and that is a judgment of rewards. So Paul's talking to, to believers here. That judgment is one for evaluation and rewards. So that's what we're talking about here. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He won't lose his salvation, but he will suffer loss. His reward won't be as great. His evaluation might not, I mean, you know, he might, might not be satisfied with his evaluation. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? You kind of have to let that sit a minute. Next several verses in the second chapter of Haggai, I'm not going to read all of them, just going to kind of, um, what he talks about is holiness um, and being defiled or contaminated. And basically, I think what he's saying is that holiness is not transferable. Holiness is something we pursue on our own. God tells us to be holy as he is holy. You can't transfer it to somebody else. Kids, you can't get by, you know, on the faith of your mom and your dad. Something you've got to pursue yourself. Yes, and amen. Um, and then he talks about uh, contamination and being defiled, which can transfer because, here's one easy way I thought about putting it is bad company corrupts good character. As simple as that. And you know, think about that a minute. Um, so moving on past there, um, I'm in 2 verses 15 through 17. He says, think back. Before you set out to lay the first foundation stones for the rebuilding of my temple, how did it go with you? Isn't it true that your foot dragging, your half-hearted efforts at rebuilding the temple of God were reflected in a sluggish, halfway return on your crops? Half the grain you were using, you, you were used to getting half the wine. I hit you with drought, blight, and hail. Everything you were doing got hit, but it didn't phase you. You continued to ignore me. You see, they were still, they still were not living a reformed life, transformed lives. And they expected this three-month period of work to cover and take over all the years of neglect. It, you know, it doesn't just, you can't spend three months in the Word of God and expect everything to just change all of a sudden. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of devotion to God and His Word. Um, so let's keep going from there. I'm in eight, verses 18, 19. Now think ahead from this date. That means right this moment, right now. Think ahead. 
Think ahead from when the temple rebuilding was launched. Has anything in your fields, vine, fig tree, pomegranate, olive tree, failed to flourish? I think the New King James puts it like, is there still seed in the barn? The seed is there. May not be producing much. But God's heart is saying, from now on, you can count on my blessing. But you've got to give me what you have. Yield to me what you have. It might not be much. Looking back, you know, you may not, it may have been half-hearted. You may have not been fully devoted. But you give me what you got. And I'll bless it. You can count on it. And then um, in closing, at the end of verse 2, I'm in 21, 23, I'm about to shake up everything, to turn everything upside down and start over from top to bottom, overthrow governments, destroy foreign powers, dismantle the world of weapons and armaments, throw armies into confusion so that they end up killing one another. And on that day, this is God's message. And this is to Zerubbabel. I will take you, O Zerubbabel, as my personal servant, and I will set you as a signet ring, the sign of my sovereign presence and authority. I've looked over the field and chosen you for this work. And what I want to relate this to is a legacy. If you stop and think about, well, the older I get, the more I think about how do I want to finish? How do I want to go out? He says that this latter temple will have a more glorious finish than the dwelling place. And to that end, be the kind of worker, servant, laborer for the kingdom that will extend a glorious finish for the next generation. So some of the things I think that are important for us to see here is yield to God what you have. You may not think you have much. Yield it to Him and see. He's going to bless it. You can count on it. Work. Be strong. Don't be lazy. Don't be stingy. Don't let things, you know, in this particular uh, book is talking about building your own homes. You know, you can relate that to anything. Work, children, whatever. Don't let that take the place of building this temple, of keeping it clean and holy so that it has a glorious finish. Um, think about what has eternal value. Um, don't expect little or no effort to produce a fruitful or lasting work. And in recognizing that God's blessing is a gift. He loves us. You're a special treasure. He has a plan and a purpose. He's created a life that works. Simple as that. Doesn't mean everything's going to be, you know, a bed of roses, but it works when you do it His way. 
Um, and then speaking of legacies, I just wanted to real quickly go over a few things listed in Scripture. Now, none of us will ever be written down in any history book, but there will be something said or remembered about you when you're gone. The day will come. And if you are moving in this direction, taking care of and advancing the kingdom, I promise you, these things can be said about you. This is just a few. King Ammon was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. Um, he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. So he walked in all the ways that his father had walked, and he served the idols that his father had served and worshipped them. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. King Josiah. Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul and with all his might, according to the law of Moses nor after him did any arise like him. Amen. There's a lot of good ones, a lot of bad ones. Here's a halfway one. King Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. King Jotham. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. King Ahaz. The Lord brought Judah low because of King Ahaz. He had conquered, he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. And there was a lot said about Hezekiah, so I won't tell you everything about him, um, except that now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, indeed, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet. Um, so Hezekiah rested with his fathers. They buried him in the upper tombs of the sons of David and all of Judah, and the inhabitants of Jer Jerusalem honored him at his death. And then we have uh, Josiah, King Josiah. He was eight years old when he became king. He reigned 31 years. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you says the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and testimonies and statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and his goodness according to what was written in the law of the Lord and his deeds from first to last indeed they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And I'm um, throwing a couple of ladies in here. And Boaz answered her 
It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your first husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under those whose wings you have come for refuge. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning. What a thing, great thing to be remembered for. I have a friend who is the kindest, I think, is the kindest man I know. And you all will agree. I don't. Do you all know Danny Dry? He is the kindest person I know. And I will always remember him for his kindness. For you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. And then the final one is the anointing at Bethany. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he, Jesus, sat at the table. A woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for the more than 300 denarii given to, and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do good. But for me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. Yield what you have. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, this woman has done, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. That is what she's remembered for. I don't know that we even know her name, but that's what she's remembered for. I know there were, there were people there, children, grandchildren possibly, same thing for us. To what end will this glorious finish take you? And that's what God said about Zerubbabel and Haggai. I have chosen you from this field of workers as a signet ring. And that's what he's remembered for. So each one of us will be remembered for something. Hopefully it'll be to the glorious finish of this latter temple, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit at work. Hear, now, work. Take heed, listen. If you'll just listen to me, I love you. You're my special treasure. I'm going to give you what you need. You don't have to worry. You just got to work. Don't be lazy. Do it. Okay. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's enough to think about. Y'all ready to move on, ladies? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.